The New Orleans Saints pull out an improbable win over Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. New COVID protocols in the NFL. And we preview the Saints-Dolphins game on Monday night, which will have huge playoff implications. All that and much more on this week's episode of the Going Going Gooner podcast. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Going Going Gooner podcast. For nothing today. The, the plain and simple truth is that we suck. So clearly, Alvin listened to the episode. No, he did. I have no doubt. What makes you think more instability is what this club needs right now? Most likely, we'll make one of the best Netflix documentaries since Firefest. The Going Going Gooner podcast is brought to you by your party station, Z89. Welcome back to the Going Going Gooner podcast, episode 58, part one. As always, I am your co-host, Arjun, joined by my co-host, Kyle. Before we get started, drop us a follow on Twitter at Pod. We've been live tweeting all of the Saints and Arsenal games, and we'd love to have you along for the ride. And this podcast is brought to you by our parents at Z89, your party station. Kyle, what a win for the New Orleans Saints. What a win. What a win. Nine to nothing over the Tampa Bay Gronkineers. Must suck to be a Bucks fan. I think that's the kind of the easiest way to put it. The Saints went in to Raymond James Stadium and took down Tampa. Uh, that is now our June for those keeping track at home. Two straight meetings in Tampa Bay with the combined points being put up by Tampa being three. Tom's first shutout uh, loss in his career since December 10th, 2006. For those keeping track at home. Drew Brees and Sean Payton joined the Saints in 2006. So that kind of tells you how far back we're going here. 15 years almost to the day of Brady being shut out uh, in a game, which is wild to see. And just thinking about this victory was crazy because it shouldn't have happened. That the Saints defense was amazing and we'll touch on them. And the offense was tragically bad at multiple points in this game. You and I were texting about it as it was happening that we felt, oh, no, they're going to score and it's over. Nope. Nope. They didn't. They had one scoring chance and they missed a field goal. One. That's all they got. I mean, and and the thing the thing about that is we'll start with the defense and, and just how impressive they are. I mean, for neutral fans watching, this was probably the the worst Sunday night football game you could have gotten um, based on the quality of play by both teams. But as a Saints fan watching this defense, it is so much fun to watch this defense cook because, I mean, you never see Brady under duress in a pocket like that. I mean, coaches just don't let it happen, and neither does Brady. I mean, he gets the ball off super quickly. And there were, I mean, Brady was sacked four times and they were all on third down and none of them were really designed blitzes either. It was just the edge rushers being super strong, overpowering the talented um, tackles um, that Tampa has. Cam uh, notched his 100th career sacks relations to him. But I think the star performer is Marcus Davenport. I mean, he he has just been so good. He's been absolutely incredible this year. He is so quick off the line. So, so, so strong. Um, I mean, 
I'm so excited to see him progress so much already. I mean, out of that amazing draft class that we had, um, I think uh, it was the year after, and I think Davenport was sort of the bust of it. And, and now he's finally coming into his own, playing really, really solid football. All he has to do is stay healthy, and, and he is going to be a star. And we're not going to regret letting Trey Hendrickson go anymore. No, I mean, Davenport has been our – he's been – if he's been on the field, he's been so, so good. He's been amazing. Um, and Trey Hendrickson is having a great season, by the way. Might I add, he's over – he's double-digit sacks for the Bengals. They are a force to be reckoned with in the AFC. But it doesn't matter. We have Davenport. He has been probably one of our best players this season. Along with Blake Gillikin, he's been one of our best. And it's – seeing him perform and seeing Cam perform. We're so good. Our team is so good. Our defense is and, electric. And it's so it's there's pros and cons to it because I mean, this defense is so, so strong that if we had even a slight semblance of an offense, this team would be Super Bowl contenders. Um, and, and talking about that, I mean, the secondary was, really really good against Tampa Bay this week too it was why Brady wasn't able to get get his throws off as quick as he can because everyone was covered and granted Godwin and Evans went out with injuries we'll touch on that a little later um, as well as Leonard Fournette so he had a minimal amount of target um, a minimal amount of receivers to go to but there's still talent in that and deep in that Tampa Bay receiver room I mean the Tampa Bay receiving core I think is the best in NFL history um, just yeah, based off it's up raw there. talent, it's up, definitely up there. And, and I think just based off the talent that they have, even when you lose your top two, there's still guys there that can catch the ball. And, you know, guys like Lattimore, Lattimore got a fumble recovery, um, a, a great strip by Cam Jordan, um, on Tom Brady, who was trying to play hero ball and get himself a first down. And, um, again, another, another defensive player I want to highlight who you can, who you can touch on a little bit, Kyle is, you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He is the self-anointed king of this team. I think that is the best way to put it. He is Mr. Troll, Mr. whatever you want to call him. He's that. That he caused Arjun and I to get into an argument with a a, a fan uh, on Twitter uh, yesterday, I believe, or two days ago. That's That's how good he is. He caused fights to happen from people on Twitter. He, I mean, he, he causes fights on the field, Kyle. And he I mean, is just disruptive. He gets in your face. And for those who have not seen it on social media, during the game, towards the end of it, he, CJGJ, got in Brady's face and kind of like put it across his arms, looked up at him with a smirk. And it's one of the best images you've ever seen. And then a series or two later, Bucks are driving. What happens? CJ Arno Johnson picks off Tom Brady. I mean, he, we have missed him so much. He is mm-hmm. so good and dynamic on that defense. He plays a position no one else can do. They tried replacing him. No, doesn't work. And he it didn't, is it didn't go well. And I mean, he, he is so good. I mean, that interception that you mentioned at the end of the game. I mean, if you look at the replay, his closing speed. Oh my word. I mean, he baited Brady into throwing that football and then undercut the route and, and, and picked it off. So impressive by him. 
Um, but now let's pivot really, really quickly to the offense because there's not much to write home about. Um, Taysom Hill, 13 for 27, 154 yards, was sacked twice. Alvin Kamara, 11 carries for 18 yards. A little bit concerning, but the Bucks' rush defense is, is super, super strong. I mean, that, that front four of the Bucks is just, just ridiculous. I mean, the Bucks' defense was so good as well. It was a defensive um, slog, this game. But um, one name I want to highlight, Marquez Callaway, our first 100-yard receiver on the year. Six catches for 12. Um, the throw, the longest catch he had was for 40 yards, and that was that was probably Taysom Hill's best thrown ball of his career. And for those wondering, by the way, that is his career high. That He hit his career high in the first quarter. In the first quarter, he had four catches for 88 yards. That was a career high for him. And then he hit, a, he hit 112. I mean – Dude I mean, played the, lights out today. The offense, the offense was was sputtering. Taysom Hill didn't have his his usual game on the ground either. Eleven carries for thirty three yards. Um, Mark Ingram had nine carries for ten yards. The run game was just completely stifled because Tampa Bay was expecting the run. Um, but you heard Sean Payton say pregame. I mean, before he got COVID, that that the Saints were going to have to have a good game through the air to win, and relatively. It sort of happened. I mean, uh, no turnovers um, for Taysom Hill. Um, obviously, targeting Callaway a lot, 112 yards for Callaway. The Saints did enough to get over the line. They gave Brett Maher three opportunities. Barely enough, to, but we did it. <laughs> the, the offense gave Brett Maher three opportunities to kick field goals. He knocked them all down. Ryan Suckup for the Bucks had one chance to kick a field goal. He missed it. If Suckup had made that field goal and it's a 9-3 to three game, the complexion changes entirely. Well, at that point, it would have been six to three. Second still yeah. would have made it six to three, which would have made it, oh no, we're doomed levels and, of this game. And the, the defense knew they had to get a shutout. The defense knew they had to get a shutout because the offense was doing absolutely nothing all game. Um, just such an impressive performance. Such, um, so proud of this defense that, um, that if you if the Saints end up making the playoffs because of this win, because of the next three weeks, no team is going to want to see this defense in the playoffs. So Arjun, I can promise you that. I Yeah, I agree. And I've been thinking about this. We, for years as Saints fans, even the Super Bowl winning team, we didn't have a top, we didn't have the top defense. We had one of the better defenses in the NFL, but it wasn't one of the, like, wasn't one of the best. It was above average, uh, those teams with Will Smith, and back end of Roman Harper, Jonathan Vilma in the middle, great teams. Those defenses were considered great, not elite. This defense is elite. For the first time, basically since forever, our defense is better than our offense. I, I don't know what to say to that. And I, I, I mean, credit Dennis Allen. I mean, he's done such a fantastic job. He was obviously head coaching this week with Sean Payton out with COVID. Uh, he coached a great ball game, knew exactly what he needed to do. And I credit, I honestly credit this win to him because he's a defensive minded coach. Sean Payton is one of the best offensive minds in NFL history. Dennis Allen. I mean, this performance, as much as I don't want to see him leave, if that game doesn't get him a head coaching job, I don't know what will. I and mean, for those wondering, so he was a head coach prior. He was the Raiders head coach for, I believe, 2012 2014 he coached for i believe it was like 30 some odd games for them and he you're right he he deserved to be in the coaching conversation he, he does he definitely does and this defense man 
they're just so good. I mean, look around the field. Let's go. The D-line, as we've said, Davenport and Jordan on the edges. Carl Granderson off the bench is amazing. We're missing Tano. We're missing like seven D-line. We're missing, obviously, Peyton Turner, our first-round pick this year. Missing a lot of dudes. David Onyemata in the middle is a different breed. That man is a wrecking ball in the middle. And then linebacking core of Quan and Demario Davis is awesome. Obviously, Caden Ellis, Zach Bond, Pete Warner in the middle. Andrew Dowell's played a lot for us recently. They're all amazing. On the corners, obviously, our weak point realistically in the last few years, Marshall Lattimore, lockdown corner. Paulson Adebo, lockdown corner. Bradley Roby, lockdown corner. And yes, I am banging my head whenever I say that, listeners. And obviously, we can't forget the safeties. Obviously, Malcolm Jenkins, our king, he's returned home and he's amazing. CJ GJ, as we have noted, noted superstar of the NFL and should be a pro bowler. Hopefully, hoping he gets on. We'll find out next week. And then obviously, Marcus Williams, the, the franchise tag man himself. Hopefully, he signs a new contract because he is elite. We saw it against the games in Philly. And after that as well, him playing safety, he plays that home run ball perfectly. It's He's the one of the best at his position. Our defense from top to bottom is perfect. And when everyone's healthy, we have two or three guys deep at each position. We are set on the defensive side of the ball. We just need to stay healthy. And our offense needs to get literally anything going because and, it was bad, Arjun. It was really and bad. The, this, I mean, the, the Tampa Bay defense, credit to them because they are a very strong unit. They were missing safeties too, um, which is why Taysom was able to take the, the, the couple deep shots he did. Um, but the Tampa Bay defense was really strong. And um, it's why the Saints weren't able to get anything going against the teams that will play in the next couple of weeks. The Saints offense should pick it up a little more, especially Alvin Kamara. But let's pivot to the Bucks for, for, for just a moment um, before we get to sort of their injuries. Um, let's talk about Tom Brady and you know Tom who Tom who Tom Tom shutout. And obviously yeah. the guy is an incredible talent. And, you know, one of prob- the greatest player to ever to ever do it, um, the most accolades. But I mean, I, he gets he gets memed and rightfully so, because he's a 44 year old man throwing tablets on a sideline. I mean, you can chalk that down to passion or frustration or whatever. But this is a grown man. This is a dude who has been in the NFL for more than half of his life. And he's acting like a child. And he does this consistently, too. I mean, everyone expects it to happen. Everyone is like, oh, when's the Tom tablet throw coming? I mean, you just because he's Tom Brady doesn't mean you don't hold him accountable to, to standards that you wouldn't hold other guys. If you see uh, if you see any other quarterback doing that, he's getting ripped on talk shows the next day. He's getting ripped by everybody the next day just because it's Tom Brady. He's I mean, he got memed, but he's not getting genuinely criticized for it. And right. He, he deserves the memeing. And this was said by somebody on GetUp on ESPN this past week that Tom Brady and he in the past, normally he's this great player. He makes up for everyone else's mistakes or he makes up for not having great players. Almost what we saw with Drew Brees, but he's done it at a better level and we can acknowledge that. 
Tom Brady is now an average guy when he's missing his weapons. That's what he is. He's an average quarterback when he's missing Godwin and Evans and Fournette. And Brashad Perriman, who had COVID for this game, was out as well. When you're missing your weapons, he's a normal dude now. He's back in the pack like all of the rest of us. So, of course, we're going to meme him. He deserves to be memed. We and, memed and- Jameis. We memed Taysom. We memed Tamus. We mean Trevor Simeon. We'll meet anybody. Anybody who wants it can get it. That's all I'm going to say. And whenever whenever we see Brady not get his way, it goes like this. And and you see him jawing at refs all the time. He he came over to the Saints sideline and, and shouted at the coaching staff. I won't repeat what he said because I can't do that on the show legally. Um, but it, I don't know why no one has this conversation. I mean, it's like, oh, it's just Brady. He's just passionate. No, like grow up. And obviously he, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a guy, he's a guy that gets into it on the field. That's just who he is. But at a certain point, that's just who he is, doesn't cut it. Um, and like you said, without his weapons, I mean, he like in, in New England, his receiving cores were never really, you know, all that. Right. He had Randy Moss for a few years, uh, un- unquestionably one of the best wide receivers of all time. He has had Gronk for a lot of his career, the best tight end of all time. But his receivers, I mean, he made guys like Julian Edelman, like people are talking about Julian Edelman as if he should make the Hall of Fame, which number one, he shouldn't. But the fact that Edelman is even in that conversation is because of Brady. Likes of right? Edelman and Wes Welker. They're yeah, good. Exactly. They don't deserve to be in that conversation, but he made them. Exactly. It's almost like Drew Brees. Drew Brees made, and this is a thing we didn't really discuss this year. Brees made undrafted free undrafted rookies look like Hall of Famers. That's just what he did for everybody. He made Willie Sneed look like a Hall of Famer. He made Nick Toon bring him back a name here. Look great. He made Kenny Stills look like one of the best receivers in the NFL. Kenny Stills. I and so <laughs> that's, that's, that's a conversation. That's a conversation we can have all day long. But the reason we're talking about it is because um, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Leonard Fournette all left this game due to injury. And Chris Godwin um, has torn his ACL. Really unfortunate. He's going to be a free agent this um, this off season. He's such a talent, um, and to see to see that happen was really unfortunate. Mike Evans is going to be week to week, I think, with the hamstring. And Leonard Fournette is going to be shut down for the rest of the regular season. I think they're putting him on IR. He may be back for the playoffs. But now um, the Bucs are missing a lot of weapons. And like you said, Kyle, it makes Brady average um, because, I mean, he still has the arm talent. The arm is still there. But without the weapons, we'll have to see how the next couple of weeks go for Tampa Bay. And if they're still up there with, with the Packers, with the Chiefs in, in that conversation. Those injuries hurt. And the one I want to talk about is the Chris Godwin injury, which um, drew a lot of discussion in the NFL this week. Uh, Godwin was hit by P.J. Williams. It was a helmet to the knee, um, which originally everyone thought, originally um, he was walking on the sideline. I mean, he was fine. And um, they thought it was just a sprained um acl would shut him down for the rest of the regular season he'd be back for the playoffs but further mris the next day revealed a torn acl so that that prompted a lot of people around around the nfl to start talking about 
low hits on dis- defenseless receivers and what can be done about that. Yes. And Chris Collinsworth, a former receiver himself, I believe for the Bengals uh, on broadcast, he brought it up uh, after the injury happened. And he said, I've talked to receivers in the league. Now other former receivers, including himself. And he said, we would rather hit you hit us high than hit us low because low our legs. That's our livelihood. Hit me high. Okay. I'll deal with that part later. But hit me low, I lose my career. And it's understandable. It makes sense. I, I agree. Uh, should P.J. Williams have hit him in the chest? Probably. He hit him low. It was a very bad hit. I will acknowledge it as such. Um, but what angered me was I saw some Bucks fans on Twitter afterwards saying he needs to be suspended. He needs all of these things. But when Devin White horse-collared Jameis, they said that wasn't a horse-collar. It was Jameis's fault. Whatever. You, uh-huh. So, you ruined so the, Jameis's the, legs. You're ruining Godwin's legs. I get different situation, different tackling. But, again, like, both are problematic for their So, own listen, reason. what P.J. Williams did was legal, and that is the question, right? I mean, Bruce Arian said it was a fine hit. And that, you know, he holds no, he holds no grudge against PJ Williams for the hit. Devin White was flagged and fined for the season ending um, tackle on James Winston. So the punishment there was served, right? I mean, it, it was illegal and he got punished for it. Well, PJ Williams did wasn't legal, was legal, and he's not going to get punished for it because um, it is a hit that you can make. Um, I saw some people saying that the Bounty Gate Saints are back. Let's move on. Right. Let's move on from that. It's been 10 years. There is not a single player on the team that was uh, with the Saints when that happened. Malcolm Jenkins might have been. <laughs> he was yeah, on that well, team. He was on he the team. Left and, he left and came back. But I mean, he's still the head coach. But I mean, br- invoking that just just cheapens what actually happened. And just because a few of just because, you know, Tampa Bay had players get injured and leave the game doesn't mean it was bounty. It wasn't, I mean, if you, you have Arian saying that it was a clean hit, maybe just move on, right? Just move on. Um, but I, I do think, I mean, Brady said on his podcast that, you know, something needs to be done to protect receivers because if you do that to a quarterback, you're getting flagged. Like that is roughing the passer. But I mean, you have defenders, Michael Parsons came out and said, where else are we supposed to hit? What are we supposed to do? It's already hard enough to be a, uh, a defensive player in the NFL because uh, more things are getting flagged. Roughing the passer is getting ridiculous now. So is pass interference. Um, so there's a balancing act here. I mean, I, I think if you can't hit high and you can't hit low, I mean, you, you make this game rugby and you know, you, you have to something, things have to be done to protect player safety. But I think that um that can be addressed in the off season and we shouldn't overreact at, at a PJ Williams hit that players make week in and week out that this one time resulted in, in a freak injury. And unfortunately for Godwin, it is a freak injury. It doesn't help that the reason the injury happened is because his leg was planted and no, I'm not blaming him. It's whatever. This was just, it was bad timing. His leg was planted. If his leg was up in the air, if his right, his right leg, which is plant leg was up or going up, 
it wouldn't have bent backwards. It wouldn't turn his AC. It would have been fine, assuming it would be okay. It would have been okay that it was just bad time to get him at the exact wrong time to hit him. He hit him. It happens. Injuries happen all the time in the NFL. Did he mean to injure him? No. No one ever means to injure anybody. If you believe that, then leave. Okay? Again, not the Bounty Gate Saints. Not the same here. And I do want to move on and discuss injuries and COVID and such. And the reason I have been talking less is because I have COVID currently. That, as you've noticed, I take pauses in what I'm saying. I take more time with what I'm saying because it is more difficult. Um, but we'll, I will be okay. I'm almost out of quarantine. I'm almost all good to go. Uh, but Sean Payton obviously had it this past week, which is why Dennis Allen coached. And the NFL currently is dealing with this problem head on. There have been over 100 players testing positive in the past week or two. Uh, the NFL has changed protocols, uh, and their protocols have changed to now make it the players can test out. They have started moving games. We saw games move to Tuesday this week, which was weird to see. Uh, and we've seen a lot of players testing positive left, right, and center. Uh, there's now random testing being done by an outside company. They test four or five players a week, apparently, for each team, like randomly, which is interesting. And we hope this issue can be solved because a lot of players have said, look, like I, I have listened to Pat McAfee recently and something that was brought up was by Jordan Poyer, uh, a Bills defensive player, that look, we don't know what's happening half the time. We're just, we're told over social media what's going on. We don't know until like Jordan Poyer said he saw the news with the random testing from Ian Rappaport being on McAfee's show. From that, he saw the news about the testing. And that's just strange to think. I mean, it doesn't honestly make sense. And we'll have to see where it goes from there. And the NFL, in terms of testing, in terms of COVID, is in a very, very bad spot. That there is a lot of problems. There is a lot of COVID issues. And as someone who currently has it, I am generally, I've been fine. I think I will to shed some light on it. I tested positive uh, a week ago, technically. I got my test on Wednesday, the 15th. Came back positive on the 16th. Been in isolation since then. I will continue to be in isolation. And no, I have not seen Spider-Man, all you listeners out there. So don't spoil it for me. And it it does suck. But if you're asymptomatic, it, it kind of puts a lot of people in uh, a weird spot. Um, and... I don't even know how to explain it, honestly. It's tough. Um, But the NFL, hopefully, it's handling it. It's doing well. Uh, And all I can hope is that people can come back in a good enough shape to play these games because it's tough. Right now, as you're hearing, I'm doing the talking, but it is tough to talk. It is very tough to talk. I have to stop every few seconds and breathe. I have a stuffy nose. It's not fun. So hopefully the NFL can get itself games back on. We don't want to see players missing games. I know this week we saw Nick Mullins start for the Browns, and both Case Keenum and Baker were out, which was something. Uh, it's it's a weird situation we're going to have to be in. It's like last year all over again. Uh, and I, I don't know how else to put it, honestly. 
Uh, I hope the players get back healthy and be safe. And I hope we can finish up the season on a high note with the Saints winning the Super Bowl. That is kind of the, the hope of this team that we can win a Super Bowl because we have a defense that deserves to uh, deserves to win it. That's the thing is this, this defense is a, a Super Bowl winning defense. Uh, that's the, that's the only way I could put it. This team is Super Bowl winning defense. That's, that's what the Saints team is. And they will continue to play as such. And this past week in NFL games, I'll jump around a bit um, while I do and sip some water. Uh, around the NFL this week, week 14, uh, or sorry, week 15, my bad, folks. Uh, Thursday's game, it was the Chiefs Chargers. The Chiefs won on a Travis Kelsey last-second touchdown, who Travis Kelsey is subsequently, along with, I believe, Tyreek Hill, I believe Harrison Butker and a multiple other Chiefs have tested positive before the game. All good to go. Kelsey gave him a touchdown in overtime. Chiefs win 34-28. The Colts ran over the Patriots. Jonathan Taylor is an MVP candidate, and we'll discuss him when we do our reward discussion in a later episode. He's legit. He is a legit one of the best running backs in the NFL. Him, Derrick Henry, right up there. Saints obviously beat the Bucks. The Bills beat the Panthers, who are missing their kicker after Zay Gonzalez got injured during the game or before the game. Didn't have him. He's now on the IR as of today, Wednesday, 22nd. The Lions beat the Cardinals in one of the most shocking games anyone has seen. Amonra St. Brown is just a weapon on the outside. Jared Goff and friends got it done. That was amazing to see. The Dolphins, who we'll talk about in a little while, won 31-24, six-game win streak for Miami. The Cowboys rolled in, beat down the Giants 21-6. Steelers won a tough game, 19-13, but it was a very bad, tough game. The Texans beat the Jaguars 30-16. The Bengals beat the Broncos 15-10. The Niners ran over the Falcons 41-13. The Packers won a hotly contested game 31 to 30 over the Ravens after a, a questionable uh, two-point conversion attempt at the end of the game by John Harbaugh and Tyler Huntley and the crew. Lamar Jackson missed the game due to an injury. Then on Monday, the Raiders and Browns played. The Raiders won in a last-second day on Carlson field goal, who, by the way, got a bag as one of the best kickers in the NFL. The Browns lost 14 to 16 to them. Uh, the Vikings won 17 to 9 over Matt Nagy and the Bears, who Matt Nagy's probably gone. Let's face it, folks. He's probably done as the Bears head coach. And then you move on to the Rams. They won 20 to 10 in a, a questionable game against the Seahawks. Russ, we'll chat about him at a later time. And then the Eagles beat the Washington football team 27 to 17 in this week's games. And in the playoffs, so the Saints with the win over the Buccaneers went into the playoff picture, um, but were knocked out when the Vikings defeated the Bears on Monday night football. So right now the Vikings have the seven seed, um, the final wild card spot in the NFC. The Eagles are an eighth and the Saints are a ninth. All three of those teams are seven and seven. Uh, and the Niners are eight and six. They have the six seed. The Cardinals with that shock loss to the Lions are now 10 and four. They're the four seed. The Bucks are now the three seed. The Cowboys are in second and the Packers clinched the division, clinched a playoff spot, currently in the number one spot. 
It's even crazier in the AFC where the Chiefs, after their really slow start, are now the top team in the AFC because the Patriots lost to the Colts this weekend as well. They're now second. The Titans lost to the Steelers, of course. They're down to three. The Bengals um, are top of the AFC North now, so they're in the four spot. And the race for that final AFC North spot, um, the Bengals and the Ravens are both eight and six. The Steelers are seven, six, and one, and the Browns are seven and seven. So any one of those teams could take the division. The Colts looking like real dark horses at the five spot, the Chargers in six, and the Bills shockingly at seven. And there are so many seven and seven teams or seven win teams here in the AFC, the Steelers, the Raiders, the Dolphins, who the Saints have up next, the Browns and the Broncos, the race for that. Those AFC playoff spots are going to be wild. But let's hone in back on the NFC and look at the Saints situation. So right now the Niners have the sixth seed. They are uh, currently eight and six, third in the NFC West behind the Rams and the Cards. And the, the 49ers will take on the Titans tomorrow on Thursday night football. And they'll take on the Texans and then the Rams to close out their season. The Texans should be a, a cakewalk win, but the Titans and the Rams are two tough games. So the Saints could have the upper hand there. The Vikings are probably going to be the team that the Saints are going to have the most battle with to, to get that spot. But their next three games are no cakewalk either. They've got the Rams and the Packers in their next two and an in-division game against the Bears to close out the season. And the Eagles, finally, also at 7-7, seven seven, have three divisional games against the Giants, the Washington football team, and the Cowboys. Divisional games are always toss-ups. The Saints have two of them coming up ourselves. But realistically, the Saints have the easiest path to the playoffs out of these teams because the Saints' next three games are against the Dolphins, the Falcons, and the Panthers. They don't have a real you know, they don't have a top team in those, in those games. The Niners have to take on the Rams and the Titans. The Eagles have the Cowboys in week 18, a Cowboys team that probably won't be sitting players because they'll be in the hunt for the one seed. So as well as the Vikings, the Vikings have the Rams and the Packers to take on next too. So, I mean, the saints, this, the win against the bucks was huge. And this upcoming game against the dolphins is going to be even bigger, Kyle. I mean, yeah. I said I said preseason that the Saints-Dolphins game, I was eyeing it on Monday night because of how good the Dolphins look last year especially, that this could be a game with playoff implications. And for both teams, it very much is. I think the way I thought it would be is that, you know, both teams would maybe be hunting for a bye. Um, probably not the Dolphins, but maybe the Saints would be hunting for a bye, hunting for the division title. But now both of these teams are fighting for their lives in the wild card race. And the Dolphins are on a six-game win streak. It's going to be a tough game. That six-game win streak, Arjun, there is, there is a caveat to that, which is who have they faced in that six games? So in the six games, the, the last loss was the Bills uh, on Halloween. The past six games. Beat the Texans. Okay, whatever. Uh, beat the Ravens. That's a good win. Beat the Jets. The Panthers the Giants, and the Jets. Not great victories outside of the Ravens. And obviously, yes, we lost to the Giants. We lost to the Panthers. I don't care. Those are not good wins. There's by no means a good are good wins. The only win that means jack out of this is the Ravens win. 
The rest of them are just whatever. They're expected to win those games. So, yes, they're on a six-game win streak. Yes, Jalen Waddle, their rookie receivers back. But take that with all a great assault. That realistically, the Saints team, hopefully this week, will get back Ryan Ramchek and Teron Armstead, who have both been out now multiple weeks. Ramchek has been out basically like almost half the season. Hopefully we get them back. Taysom will have an actual offensive line ahead of him. Alvin Kamara will have an offensive line ahead of him. The receivers will have an offensive line that helps Taysom like protect himself so that they can get more open. Deontay Harris is almost out of suspension. I believe he's back uh, either this week or next week, I believe. I could be wrong on that. Next week, I think. So he's out for the last two weeks of the season. This team is getting back to being healthy. Trevor was back this week. That was really nice to see. Uh, he didn't have any drops, which is also nice. <laughs> uh, or he may have had one, but it was a deflection, whatever. Uh, the team is getting healthy. Players are getting back. It's looking up. If this offense, Arjun, like diving into this game, if this offense can do something, if this offense can do anything, literally just if they can put up 20 points, the Saints win this game. I think that is how we'll put this. If the Saints offense can put up 20 points, we win the game. What are your thoughts on that? If this point, if this offense can can put up points in this game, I, I fully expect the defense to completely smother Tua. Because I mean, he hasn't looked incredible. He's done enough to win six in a row, obviously. Um, but I think the Saints defense is going to be the toughest task he's faced um, since losing to the Bills. Um, but the offense is always a question mark for the Saints, but I think Alvin Kamara will be back this week, um, back to his regular schedule, regularly scheduled programming and, and playing really good football again. Obviously had a tough week this week against Tampa Bay, like we touched on earlier, but I fully expect the defense to, to put in the same intensity. It's going to be a Monday night game in the Superdome. They know how big it is, even against a team like the Dolphins, who people are still underestimating. They're now seven and seven. Obviously, um, those five of those six wins were against um, teams that they probably should have gotten wins against anyway. But you can't underestimate a team that hasn't lost in almost two months. So when, when you're riding high like that, um, I think the Saints have a lot on their hands, especially offensively, but I think the defense should take care of business again. And obviously, primetime game, fans are going to bring it. It's going to be loud in there. Um, I expect the Saints to come away with a win, another gritty win, I think, um, especially because I think the offense could sputter again. That, that is really the concern. The offense really could have another poor game. Yeah, and for those keeping track at home before we get into our actual predictions, the over-under is 38.5, which is one of the Saints' three lowest in recent years. The other lows, uh, if I can quickly look them up, because I was showing them over on the Twitters, was I believe it was the Bears game uh, where it was Bears-Saints and the defenses just stymied each other. And then the Broncos game last year where those who did not watch that game, which may have been, again, this week was tough to watch. That may have been the worst week of football I've ever seen because the Broncos had a receiver playing quarterback. They did not have a quarterback on their roster due to COVID. 
uh, I believe, literally like all their entire quarterback group was gone. So they didn't have a quarterback. Um, the line is 38 and a half points. If we hit 20 points with the line, we win the game. That's where we're at. If we hit 20 points, they're expecting to get 18, 19 points. That's what's happening here. We we hit double digit. We hit 20. We're set. And Arjun, I'll throw it to you to start with in terms of score prediction. Give me your thoughts. Uh, so the, the Miami defense ranks 17th in the league in points for and uh, in points allowed and 18 uh, in the league in yards allowed. So they are average to below average. Um, I think the offense will be able to do enough to get it done. But I think it's going to be another dogfight. I'm going to say uh, 21 to 9 Saints. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. I'm going to go with 21 for the Saints and a nice 10 points for the Dolphins. I think Tua and Co. put out more points, but that's what happens in the end. And Arjun, do us the sign off. Uh, Well, I mean, the Saints should have it's going to be a good game. And I think it's going to be a tough, um, tough one for the dolphins, but I really think the saints should pull this one out. Um, thank you guys for listening. Stick with us for this week's, uh, soccer episode in which we'll be talking about Arsenal's wins over Leeds and Sunderland, as well as previewing the boxing day match against Norwich. Thank you guys for listening for Kyle. We are out.